Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Thanksgiving Weekend Edition. And not only is it Thanksgiving weekend, it is Thanksgiving Day here in the Great White North. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners who might be listening to us. And if you're listening to us south of the border, happy Columbus Day, which is um, down there south of the border. And I believe they also have happy Aboriginal People's Day down there. And, um, yeah, lots of holidays today. And... The good thing about uh, Thanksgiving, whether it be uh, Canadian Thanksgiving like we had today or American Thanksgiving, which comes up next month. Why do we have different Thanksgivings, by the way? But anyways, uh, there gives afternoon football. Uh, We had a doubleheader today in Canada, two CFL games. Not exactly a pair of masterpieces, uh, i got to say. Uh, about a month ago, we had a weekend, um, or excuse me, a holiday doubleheader, as you remember, back on Labor Day in September. Uh, and if you remember back to them, both of those games were dynamite, dynamite edge-of-your-seat games. That was not the case with the two games today. It wasn't exactly a thrill ride, some pretty sloppy football being played uh, today in the doubleheaders, but hey... Uh, what is the saying? The worst uh, day of football is still better than the best day at work. Who knows? But we're here to break it down. Uh, break down all of it. We had the whole weekend of football uh, every day except for Sunday. Sunday we got to take uh, the day off. That's the day a lot of people do their big turkey dinner. Of course, I had a turkey dinner at my parents last night and then at my in-laws tonight. So I'm full of turkey and stuffing. So. If the trip to fan come, uh, kicks in and you hear snoring, I apologize in advance. But no, I typically don't fall asleep when I'm talking about football, so hopefully we'll be able to list, last up for the next two hours. I think I'll be fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Thanksgiving weekend uh, is in the books for another year, and so is the weekend's four games. And we're going to talk about it, but before we can talk about it, we've got to find some people to talk about it with. By the way, I'm kind of rude. I didn't introduce myself. I'm Charles Cliff filling in for uh, Christopher Jones, who is unavailable tonight, so I am your fill-in host for the night. Don't all applaud at once. And we've got a couple other people to bring in that we're going to talk to me. That, uh, we're all going to talk about the weekend of football and the comings and goings in the Canadian Football League. First of all, let's go to Manitoba. And bring Mark onto the show. Good evening, Mark. Good evening. Yes, I'm very happy that Thanksgiving's over, considering how much I've eaten the last two days. Yeah, that's kind of the thing you do on Thanksgiving. Yeah, with with the two different families, it's like, okay, so last night went to my niece's. And I'll give you a quick rundown of the food, because today was only turkey. Yesterday was turkey, ham, meatballs, pierogies, cabbage rolls, chicken wings, 
a couple of salads, a couple of veggies, and three kinds of pie. Well, so I'm really, now just listening to that, so... Yeah, uh, I'm really happy the podcast is tonight and not last night. Yeah, I would not have been able to go <laughs> last night either, so that's good. Yeah. And, you know, I got my naps in today watching the football games, too, so... Well, it was easy to do that in those two games. Good Lord. <laughs> All right, but we'll get to those. Uh, time to also bring in our other panelists for the night in Alberta and Calgary. That would be Will McDonald. Good evening, Will. <laughs> Hello, Charles. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good, good, good. Yeah, I've had enough. I've had enough turkey for until Christmas, at mm-hmm. least, because I went to Lethbridge, Alberta, to see my grandson, and we made a turkey. And then I had to go to my sister-in-law's last night to have another turkey. And I've had enough turkey for a long time. The one thing I do miss since I don't live in Manitoba anymore, is what Mark said, cabbage rolls, meatballs, pierogies. I miss all that stuff because everybody used to have all that stuff. Nobody does that here. They are staples. It's too bad. It is too bad. It's very bad. I I mean, that stuff is just no good for you, but, man, it's so good for you. Oh, so, yeah. you know, what can I say? But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as football today goes, uh Man, I thought I was watching some NFL football or something because those games were kind of dry and not overly exciting. But yep. I forced myself through both of them, and, and I watched it. And, and sorry, an afternoon of boring football is still better than an afternoon at work. Agreed. Anywho. Yep, no, 100% agree. Yep. All right, so, well, we got, there's three of us here tonight, and, yeah, we can, uh, we got uh, three ga- four games to go over, so we will do that, but first we're going to just press this button here. Call 516-418-5408 to speak with the host. Or hit up our social media through the Facebook group or on Twitter at Let's Talk CFL. Let's Talk CFL. All right, we started off the Thanksgiving weekend with Friday Night Football, and this turned out to be where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, looked like they were going to blow a big lead, had a pretty good lead, uh, but had the Ottawa Redbacks come back uh, at the end, very similar to what the BC Lions did to the Hamilton Tiger Cats a couple weeks ago. But unlike that, the team that had the lead and lost it were able to hold on and get the victory. It was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the Ottawa Redbacks in Ottawa, by a score of 40 to 32. What a crazy freaking year for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Remember a lot of people were talking just a couple weeks ago that the Bombers could miss the playoffs? I mean, I guess mathematically at the moment they still could, but I I think that's much more unlikely now than what it looked like just a few weeks ago. Mark, this is your team. The Bombers pull out a win in overtime. What were your thoughts? Well, you know, like you said, that 
couple of weeks ago, they looked dead and buried. And they're coming out, and they came out again. And this looked like it was going to be a track meet. And Barmers came out, marched the ball right down the field. Got a field goal only, but still marched the ball, had a really good drive. Ottawa gets the ball. Powell pumps off like a 50-yard run for the first play. It's like, it's going to be one of those games. But really, it was an entertaining game from both sides. You got, you got to see both sides of Trevor Harris, the really good Trevor Harris. He threw for 350 yards, was really on at times. But then at times, especially in the second and third quarters, he, the defense, bomber defense, really had him befuddled which is good to see. I'm really liking the way our defense is playing. The offense is playing mistake-free-ish. They're playing well enough to win. There's still a lot of work to do on the offense, and it showed in that game. Harris had a monster game again. It's good to see that. Um, He briefly had the rushing lead. I think he may have it, or Powell's up by five yards, but with Harris has the extra game. But Nichols played really well. He was, I think, 80% on the day or 75%, which is really high for him. Yeah, you know, that's that's what they need out of him. No interceptions, threw for two or three touchdowns, threw with authority, made smart plays. Um, It was one of the better games he's had this year, if not his best game of the year. You know, his yardage is still down. He still has some thrown for 300 yards. But he's starting to, it seems like he's rounding into the form he had last year. So you don't get better timing than that. And But giving up those two touchdowns at the end, I thought for sure, okay, cool, game's over, I'm at work, maybe I'll pretend I'm supposed to be working. Walk out of the cafeteria, come back in a couple of minutes, oh shit, they scored a touchdown. Oh, I'm going to stick around and see what happens. Oh, another touchdown. Oh crap, here we go. But um, thankfully, Adam Big Hill is still a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. <laughs> it is fun to watch him play. Again, he had a monster game. He was all over the field. And he made the big strip tackle when he needed to. He made. He is the guy that, mm-hmm. that's making the plays. So, you know, it's good to see. It, it was a fun game to watch. It really was. They were, I thought the Bombers were full marks for the game. They should have blown out Ottawa. You know, it looked like it was going to be, too. Ottawa hung around, but just didn't have it at the end. It was fun to watch the most entertaining game of the week and come mm-hmm. out on the win side. And, and yep. we've pretty pretty much solidified a playoff spot now, whether it's third or fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be hard to knock us out of the playoffs now, which I'm okay with. It's the ring where we were a few weeks ago. That's it. Uh, wait, all right, well, Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers are your number two team, as you've said many times. So you're probably happy with them getting a win. What did you think of this one? Well, you know what? It was actually a pretty entertaining game. I thought it went back and forth. I thought Winnipeg was going to win it hands down, and then they almost uh, – Snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory. And uh, my only question is, Mark Weddle, would Sam Hurl have made that strip tackle at the end of the game? <laughs> Sam Hurl would have so. been on the other side of the field. 
that's what I thought. But uh, no, you know what? I think uh, the last two weeks, the Bombers have been playing like a team. Um, everybody's contributing, and and they're winning games. And it doesn't matter if they gave up two touchdowns at the end of the game. I think basically they just quit too soon, and they didn't realize they were in the CFL, and anybody can come back at any time. Um, I didn't uh, when when Ottawa scored um, to put it in overtime. I I did not. Uh, I I was not concerned. I thought Winnipeg was going to win because I think they kind of sort of dominated a little bit. The score doesn't reflect that, but uh, I think they played well. And uh, hey, Adam Big Hill, he's worth every single penny that they pay him, and uh, he has been playing. I think much better in the last two weeks and you're starting to see him more and Matt Nichols seems to have his uh, problems taken care of and confidence will do that to you sometimes. So, Hey, the bombers are making a run for it and uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, you know, in reality, it could be we could be watching lots of Winnipeg, Saskatchewan football in the playoffs. So we shall see. We shall see. Go ahead, Charles. I thought it was the best that the Bombers have looked maybe this entire season. I was kind of with you, Will, even though Ottawa forced overtime. I got the feeling the whole time that Winnipeg was going to pull it out. Um, and I even picked Ottawa in this game. Um, but, yeah, just a phenomenal play right at the end of the uh, overtime there for uh, Adam Bigel to get through and, and uh, strip uh, Brad Sinopoli there of the ball. Now, Brad Sinopoli is is not uh, – he's a normally sure-handed guy. He's one, he's one of their big uh, possession guys. So to see him fumble – very, very rare to see because um, he does not do that. So that's just, I think, a testament to the um, play that uh, Adam Big Hill made to uh, strip the ball and get the ball away from him. So good job there. Um, Trevor Harris, I mean, he wasn't – he has good numbers in this game. A lot of it came late because he struggled a lot throughout that game. He did uh, – turn around late and was able to uh, engineer a couple of late touchdown drives. But I'm thinking had he been more consistent throughout the game, maybe Ottawa wins that game in regulation. Um, There was a point there where they were just not getting anything done. And um, Matt Nichols looked like a different guy than he did three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, he was a guy that was playing with no confidence whatsoever. He was... uh, you just the body language is bad. He was making bad throws. He was trying to force throws, and um, um, he was much, much better in control of that game. I thought it was um, very, very uh, good performance by him. Maybe his best of the year as well. So you got to give the Bombers uh, full marks on this one. Yeah, it looked a little dicey towards the end. But for the most part, I thought the Bombers were in pretty good control of this game. Um, So, good on them. Good win for the Bombers. And 
they're looking more and more uh, solid to being in the playoffs with each passing week, which is not what you can say for another Western team that played today that we'll talk about a little bit later. So uh, that was the game. The score then was uh, Winnipeg. Wait a minute. I got last week's. I'm just looking at this. This is the wrong. This is the wrong week. Sorry. So it was Winnipeg winning 40 to 33 in overtime. Um, so a big win for them. I'm just trying to pull up our picks from last week, and I pulled up the wrong one. I pulled up last uh, last week's pick. So let me just go in and grab them here. And by the way, shout out to Steven Sparksman. Uh, who's been actually the one that's been uh, keeping track of these things for us. He's actually got, you should see this, he's got a spreadsheet with all of our picks and all of the scores on that one. So, yeah, thanks to Steven Sparkson for that. Okay, so Winnipeg won 40-32. Well, I picked Ottawa to win this game, so I lose altogether. It doesn't matter what my score is. Will, you had them... The Bombers winning 30-18, you were up by 24 points. Uh, Chris picked Ottawa in this game. He loses. CJ picked Ottawa in this game. He loses. So that only leaves one person, and that's the Bomber fan who had faith in his team, and he got the score the closest. Even though he wasn't super close, he was closer than the rest of us. Uh, he had the Bombers winning this game 28-22, to so he was only out. Well, I should say only out. He was out by 22 points, but uh, the only other person that picked the Bombers was Will, and he was out by 24. So uh, the check mark goes beside Mark's uh, name, and he has another win this year. And uh, he won't. this won't be the last time we'll be talking about him with the best pick in the of the week. So let's move on to our next game. Let's talk CFL. And this is where the quality of the games goes downhill, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, the Lions uh, hosting the Toronto Argonauts at BC Place on a Saturday afternoon game. And the Lions come out, and they pull out a 26-23 victory. Now, if you're looking just at the score and seeing 26-23, people are probably thinking, oh, that sounds like it was a pretty good game. Sorry, folks, I was there live. Nothing could be further from the truth. It was a sloppily played uh, game by both teams. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy with the Lions getting the win. What I'm not so happy about is watching... Um, Ty Long kicked seven field goals. Great game for him, but some of those threes need to be sixes if the Lions want any chance of advancing uh, even to get to the playoffs this year. All right, we'll talk to Will. Will, this was not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, What did you think of this game? (coughs) Well... I didn't think much of this game because, quite honestly, <laughs> I did not watch a single down. Well, I was you're very busy. Off. I was very busy on Saturday, and I just couldn't do it. So, 
So, uh, but I looked at the stats and I, I, I'm assuming Bethel Thomas played for a little while, did he, or did James Franklin he played start? right? He, he played into the fourth quarter. Oh, did he? Which okay, was something I didn't get. It, because on 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 TSN, all they have listed is Franklin stats, and he only had 90 yards passing. And I'm like, really? Is that all they got in the whole game? But okay, no. so Bethel Thompson didn't did play the first three and a half quarters. Yeah, okay, he probably cool. shouldn't have played that long though. You know, uh, Jeremiah Johnson had a had a good game. He had yeah, 118 he yards rushing. Um, and so maybe maybe competition is good for him. Since they have that other guy in their uh Terrell Sutton. In Terrell Sutton in their in their in their camp. So hey, but I can't really talk about this game much because I did not watch it. All right, fair fair enough. Uh Will, what were you or not Will, we just heard from Will. Mark, what were your thoughts on this one? Unfortunately I watched ninety nine percent of this game. Uh, like you said, it was it was tough to watch. Mm-hmm. I really wish Christopher was on tonight because I know how much he hates field goals. And he would be thrilled that BC won. But based on seven field goals, it uh, it was ugly. Jer- uh, Jeremiah Johnson was really the offense, other than Jennings with his running and maybe the odd throw and almost circus catch to uh, Burnham. Uh, if Toronto had pulled Bethel Thompson in the second quarter or at half, BC probably doesn't win this game. Because Franklin, now he only had the 90 yards passing, but he played really good. He got the two, you know, he got the points in the fourth quarter for them. And he seemed to light a bit of a spark in Toronto. But I really think that they made a mistake in holding on with Bethel Thompson, especially with four interceptions. He just looked, he looked like he took two or three steps back. He did not look good at all, especially when some of the interceptions were going into the line. They weren't even downfield. Uh, It was just one of those games for him, I guess. Um, The BC defensive front was in his face the entire time he was in. It really, the game came down to BC's defense, outdid Toronto's defense, which isn't a surprise, and Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Jennings played well, but his long throws are still, you don't know where they're going. Every time he throws the ball over 25 yards, 20 yards, it, it's a 50-50 ball because you're not sure where it's going to go. They really need to cut back on those throws going forward. He just he doesn't have any accuracy on the long balls. The catches that are being made are because the receiver's going up and getting the ball. It's not because he's throwing with really any accuracy. But, uh, no, you know, I guess he could say BC was full marks for the victory because of their defense and Jeremiah Johnson. They just, they outlasted Toronto, really, or held on, really, at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Toronto made it interesting at the end. At no point did I think Toronto was going to complete the comeback. But, 
that's really it's about it. It was one of it, it was a bad game, and I could only imagine sitting in the stands having to watch that, other than being happy that your team won. Go ahead, Charles. It was really dull watching field goal after field goal after field goal and teams getting to the red zone and then stalling. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad the Lions run one. I always want to see my team win. But when you're at a game, especially when you're at a game live and don't have the option to change the channel, you want to be entertained. There wasn't a lot of entertainment in this football game. Um, Jeremiah Johnson did have a very strong game. In fact, he had his first 100-yard rushing. That's his, I didn't realize it, but that's his first 100-yard rushing game of the season there. He had 118 yards on 19 carries. Um, Jonathan Jennings, in the early going, the first couple drives looked really good. I believe he started off 5 for 7, and then he kind of lapsed back into the old Jennings. He didn't throw a pick. That's a plus. He didn't throw a pick. But, um, you know, 14 to 24, only 58% uh, completion percentage, 199 yards. Not exactly uh, numbers to be jumping up and down about. And I know what Will said about competition uh, for uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Maybe it's good, but I don't even think, I'm not even sure Terrell Sutton was dressed on Saturday. Or if he is, if he is, he didn't touch the ball once. So... Um, right now, I don't know, maybe they didn't want to work him in. They're still trying to work him in, but um, he did not uh, figure in the other night. McLeod Bethel Thompson. I have no idea why he was still playing in the fourth quarter because he was awful in this game, just simply awful. 97-yard passing, a touchdown, and four picks. Two of his picks went to... Um, to Devon um, Coleman, who basically batted the ball down at the line of scrimmage and then grabbed it and hauled it in. If that, those are the types of picks you're throwing, you've got some problems because you're not even able to get the ball past the line of scrimmage. And if you can't get the ball past the line of scrimmage, what hope do you have? But give uh, Devon Coleman uh, full marks because... Um, making interceptions like that, not easy. And then we saw Sean Lemon get uh, a sack, uh, some revenge on his old teammates. But all in all, this was a sloppy game, a somewhat um, a somewhat dull, uh, dull game. There was not a lot of exciting plays in this one. There just wasn't. Neither offense really uh, was... Neither offense was really um, all that impressive. I mean, it shows at the end that there was nearly 800 yards of offense. Boy, it didn't seem anything like that. I'm not sure what they're counting there. but um, And, Mark, you may be right. If they put James Franklin in that game earlier, they might win that game because James Franklin actually looked quite good once he came in. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about James Franklin a little bit later, but he was... Far better. He had better numbers than McLeod Bethel Thompson and played a quarter of what he played. So I think it um, looks very likely that we're going to see a um, a um, quarterback change in Toronto. Not that it really matters all that much because uh, with the loss on Saturday, 
the Argos are now officially eliminated from playoff contention, so we now know we will have a new Grey Cup champion this year. That we know. So, all right. Anything else on uh, this game from anybody? Uh, just real quick, uh, Will, you didn't watch the game, but Charles, did you notice how hard Deron Carter was trying to not celebrate stuff? Yep. Oh, when he got that first catch even for the it, first down. He got the catch, or even the touchdown he scored. He yeah, didn't, but uh, it was so very funny on, the, on that first down catch. He went to do his patented little throw of the ball, and it was like, oh, shit, I can't. I can't do that. But somebody's working some magic somebody, on him. Somebody told yeah. him not, uh, someone <laughs> told him not to do that. Oh, you think? Yes. Oh, that was the most restrained I've ever seen him. Ever. Mm-hmm. It was good to see. Charles, Charles, you said, you know, it was a pretty bad game to sit in the stands and watch. Yep. Imagine this. It could have been worse if it was in Calgary and it was minus six out, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, okay, fair enough there, fair enough. (laughs) Uh, I'm happy for that fact. (laughs) I think everybody that was there would be happy with that fact. All right, so let's move on to uh, today's doubleheader. Let's talk CFL. All right, game. You forgot um... to do the scores. Oh, sorry, yeah, let me do that quickly before we go any further. So let's look at this. Um... So the final score was 26-23 for BC. I had BC 32 to 10. I was 19 points out. I didn't win. Um, Mark, you actually had the right score just for the wrong teams. You had 26-23 for the Argos, but you had the wrong teams picked. So that's a loss. Uh, Chris had BC 28-14. That's 11 points. So that's too far out. CJ, yeah, he was a bit out to lunch on this one. 48-17 BC, out by 28 points. So that's not a win. But the winner of this game, who got the score bang on, he had BC 26, Toronto 23. Will gets the check mark on this one. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time anyone this year that anyone's predicted the score bang on. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody else has done that yet this year. No, I think that's it. Not that I can remember anyways. So isn't that like a hole-in-one? Do I get a movie prize or something? I thought the guy that gets the hole-in-one has to buy drinks for everybody else. I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, meet you at, I'll meet you at 7-Eleven in the morning, okay? All right, sounds good. Yep. Okay, so moving on to today's doubleheader. Game one was at Molson Stadium in um, Montreal, where we had the Montreal Alouettes, a game that should have been a mismatch, really, on paper. If you're looking on paper and you're looking at the scores and the standings, this one should have been a mismatch. Uh, it was closer than I think 99.9% of the people would have thought. 
But the Calgary Stampeders, they always say that good teams find a way to win. Well, the good team found a way to win today. They won ugly, but they won the game. It was Calgary in a barn burner winning 12-6. to No, that's not a hockey score. 12-6. to There was one touchdown scored in this game. So... Not a masterpiece. They're not all going to be masterpieces in a long season. But, uh, yeah, Calgary never plays well. I made this this comment during the game. Calgary never plays well in Montreal for whatever reason. Fortunately for them on this day, Montreal played worse. Will, what were your thoughts watching this one here? Well, when you say good teams find a way to win, <laughs> there was no good teams in that game today. So I guess the best of the bad team won. <laughs> okay, because, um, you know, I, I I listened to Bo Levi's show, podcast last week, and he said on his podcast, one of the things they were talking about, about was all the hype <coughs> Johnny Manziel gets and all the highlights he gets put on shows. And Bo Levi literally said, and we know Bo Levi says these things because he's a pretty cocky guy, said they're not going to talk about Johnny Manziel's highlights because I'm just going to, it's going to be like no comparison. Well, um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the worst player on the field today was Bo Levi Mitchell, to be honest with you. And he stunk the place out. And I don't know why Calgary, Calgary, that was, just so you know, Bo Levi's first win in Montreal in his career, okay? They had not won in Montreal since 2015, I do believe, or 2013. It's been five years or something like that. For whatever reason, maybe it's the nightlife, but they also said this week that most of the guys who indulged in that Montreal nightlife are not on the team anymore, but there was something wrong. Somebody said it was that Montreal has the worst visitors' locking room in the CFL. I Was that the reason why? It was just a terrible game. I think Calgary's defense came to play. Um they didn't do badly against Johnny Football, but it was only Johnny Football, and he hasn't done much. So the Stampeders were very, very, very lucky to come out with that game. But I had no doubt in my mind they were going to win because Montreal only scored six points, and Calgary can score 50 points in 10 minutes, okay? So, and and I guess they played for... I guess they played well for about six minutes, and that's all it took. So, I mean, it was pretty pathetic. But a win is a win is a win is a win. And I think that means they've clinched a home playoff game now. I believe that's right. I think they need, yeah. So, I mean, I'll take it. Um, I hope they got some experience. The the Stampeders were not sharp today. They were making mistakes left, right, and center. Bo Levi decided that he was going to throw to Montreal's uh, uh, defensive backs. Um, Montreal does have a pretty good defensive backfield. They have spent money on them. 
And uh, so, hey, more power to Bo and the Stampeder team. I guess they'll take the win and get away with it and take it from here. So that's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Mark. Yeah, well, you summed it up pretty well. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell, if he's going to chirp, he needs to have better than better stats than Johnny Football. Um, he was 58% for 199 and three interceptions. And Manziel was, what was his percentage? 62% for 250 with only yeah, one interception. Stats. You know, so Manziel had better stats across the board. <laughs> they only tied at zero touchdowns. That's possibly the worst game, easily the worst game of the year, and probably one of the worst games Calgary's played in five, six years kind of thing, even when they were still losing in Montreal. That was horrible. And it's not like Montreal lit it up. I guess you could call it a def- what did they call it in the NFL? Smash mouth defense. It was a defensive struggle. It was just boring. Baloney, it was a bunch of offenses that kept scoring up. <laughs> you know, I love defensive football. I love the big hits, but that was just bad football. It wasn't because the defense st- stepped up. It was because the offense stepped down. Uh, again, Manziel still can't buy himself a win. He looks a little better every week. He still can't buy himself a win, though. Um Calgary, you better go back to the drawing board in a hurry and just throw this game away. Don't even look at it. Because it was a bum. It was just terrible. Um, you know, you'd say, well, the field goal kickers were good. Well, I guess there was, what, five field goals kicked throughout the entire game? It's just, Wow. Uh, that's about it, really. There's really nothing you can talk about the game. Nobody stood out. Um, Maver, I think, set a record for punting yardage, I think, with Calgary, or he's moved up the leaderboard. I thought saw a tweet about that. So maybe that's what you take from the game, because there's nothing else to take. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, this game was a really good cure for insomnia. Uh, this one was... Um, I talked about the Lions and uh, Argos uh, game being uh, a bore. Well, they scored 40, 49 points. These guys scored 18 combined. There was one touchdown in the game and then a bunch of field goals. Bowley Levi Mitchell was right. There was there was a huge difference, and Johnny Manziel was much better than Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, that might be saying it. Much better might be a bit of a stretch, but he was better. Uh, this was one that um, I don't think many people are going to be clamoring to watch a replay of this because it was a horrifically sloppily played football game. And I don't know, maybe these guys had their turkey dinners last night and it hadn't digested quite properly because this one was not uh, a masterpiece. This one this one wouldn't have been good for a peewee football game, to be honest. In fact, I've seen peewee football games that were better than this one. Uh, it was just a bunch of uh, mistakes. 
um, no one really stood out on either side of the ball. I mean, it was just two and out, two and out, two and out. There was uh, funny because Montreal scored all of their points in the second quarter. Calgary scored all of their points in the fourth quarter. In the first and the third quarter, no scoring whatsoever. So, I mean, it was just, it was not good. It was not entertaining to watch. Neither team, whether you won or you lost, can come out of this game feeling good. Um, this is one that I think both um, coaches will take the game film and probably burn them. And Johnny Manziel is still looking for that elusive first win. And he may not get a better chance than he had today. Uh, that game was there for the taking for the Alouettes. They literally needed to score one touchdown, and they would have won that game. But they couldn't get it done. Sam Peters won, and um, that was that. There's not a lot to say on this game because not a lot happened in this game. It really didn't. But, hey, the Stampeders got the win. They needed the win. They wanted the win, and they got the win. And now Will's right. They've clinched a home home field game uh, in the playoffs. So another one for Calgary this year. All right, so let's go to the scores. I'm going to guess no one was really too close on any of these. So let's see. The final score was Calgary 12, Montreal 6. Well, I had 35 to 19 myself, so I was a, a whole 36 points out. Will, you had Calgary 47 to 12, so you didn't quite make it. 41 points. Uh, Mark, you were a little bit closer. 31-17, you were out by 30 points. Chris had it 28 to 9. You were out by 19, and the winner, who is actually the closest of anybody, CJ, who had picked the Stampeders to win 24-12. to 12. So he was out by 18 points. So not super close, but closer than anybody else because we all thought it was going to be a blowout going the other way for, um, for Montreal, or excuse me, for Calgary, but... The blowout didn't materialize. Calgary wins in what was a bit of a snore fest, but they got the win, and CJ gets the check mark on this one as he was the closest. So, congratulations, CJ. And let's move on. Let's talk CFL. All right, snore fest number two was at Mosaic in Regina with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming from behind in the fourth quarter. At least the fourth quarter was pretty good in this one. And they come from behind to beat the Edmonton Eskimos 19-12. to Another super barn burner score. Okay, Mark, what did you think of this one? This one was not much better than the first game. No, you know, it really wasn't much better, but at least there was some offense, and some really good defensive plays. There was some really good defensive work in this game. Um, Although Willie Jefferson with his little dance delay thing he likes to do when he gets these interceptions, somebody's going to take him out one of these times. And I can't wait to see it. That that kind of showboating is just wrong. But anyway... 
um, really, it came down to defense. It came down to Willie Jefferson again getting that interception because Saskatchewan's offense really didn't do a lot by any means. Trey Mason had 20 yards rushing on 10 carries, and that's his by far his worst game of the year. Kalaros looked like Kalaros has all year, mediocre. Um, Edmonton, I know we're talking about it, I think in the next segment, actually, but they got to figure something out. Riley was bad enough last week at 54%. He was only at 48% today. I know they've got a horrible offensive line, and they haven't addressed that in years. But if he's only throwing at 48%, they have no chance, no chance of getting wins. So it really it came down to Jefferson and the defense at the end. I really thought, okay, Edmonton can run the clock down now, run the ball. Why you make a play call to start throwing the ball with like three minutes and change left, if there was even that much time left? You know, especially in you're only not even really around midfield and you throw the ball. And once again, Saskatchewan's defense did their best Swaggerville interpretation and came up with the win. I've never seen a team get to second place. And, you know, you look at the record, it's, what, 10-5 and five now. And they're doing it on defense and special teams. They're doing it despite their offense. And they did it again this week. It's quite something. Maybe Chris Jones has found the formula. We'll just do it on defense. And really, again, there's not a lot you can say about this game. It was just dull. Edmonton was flat. Their defense played okay. You know, They were all over Claros. They did get a one fumble recovery out of it and that, but again, it was just, their offense is horrible. We all thought their offense was going to lead them, and the defense was going to be horrible. So, that's about it, though. Well, what were your thoughts on this one? Again, not another masterpiece. Well, just when you thought it could not get any worse. <laughs> It was not that exciting of a game. Let's face it. Uh, you know, it's funny. Mark talks about Willie Jefferson and his little dance, which I hate. Um, and I think he's an arrogant idiot, but that's that's just my thoughts. But then you get the other guy on the other side, Charleston Hughes, who is, he leads the league in sacks, and the guy is all class. And... I guess the difference is, is he's been there his entire career. And I think Willie Jefferson is better this year because Charleston Hughes is there. Anyways, um, you know, Saskatchewan's doing this with smoke and mirrors. I still don't think they're that good of a team. Their defense seems to pull it out every week. They pulled it out against Montreal last week. They pulled it out against Edmonton this week. I sure will. I sure do hope that the game in Calgary on October 20th means something. Um, 
so they can play a real team and and see how it goes. Uh, I still don't think Saskatchewan's that good of a team, and that it might be just me because I mean you guys know that the worst game Will could ever watch in the history of his life is Edmonton Saskatchewan because he would rather that the Water Boys win, and none of those teams win. But I was actually cheering for <laughs> Edmonton today. And uh, I don't know why they didn't win. I, I think uh, if this season keeps on going the way it is, um, I think there's some people that are in trouble in Edmonton. And I think you might want to blow that up next year. We'll see. But you know what? Saskatchewan win. They still think they're going to get first place in the West. Okay. You can think it all you want. And I know there's lots of Ryder fans out there that are planning the parade. Just let me know what time, guys, and I'll be there. So, uh, hey, they won. A win's a win. You know I use that phrase a lot. And they're right behind Calgary, and they're in second place in the West. And I'm extremely disappointed in the Bombers and the Edmonton because letting Saskatchewan win second place in the West is disgusting. That's all I have to say. Go ahead, Charles. If you have a swimming pool in your backyard, find a brick. Take that brick to the deep end and drop it in. And then watch it sink to the bottom. Well, that's kind of what the Edmonton Eskimos season is looking like right now. This team, remember a few weeks ago I mentioned, I referenced this earlier when we were talking about how Winnipeg looked like the team with no confidence and a team that was in trouble of missing the playoffs? Well, I think the Eskimos said, wait, hold my beer. Because ever since then, the um, the Bombers have been trending upwards and the Eskimos have sunk straight to the bottom. And they are now, as officially uh, right now, in fifth place in the Western Division because they're tied with BC in points, but the Lions have a game in hand. So right now, basically their uh, destiny is is out of their hands at the moment. Let's say the Lions, now this is probably unlikely, but if the Lions were to win out the final four games of the season, Edmonton's done, folks. They missed the playoffs. It doesn't matter what they do the rest of the way. So... That's got to be a concern. Well, I guess there's Winnipeg they're tied with, too. But, I mean, I, I'm not saying, you know, saying the Lions are going to win out. I can't see that happening. They play Calgary next week, for crying out loud. But l- let's just face it. The, the Cal- Edmonton is not in a good position. Uh, i got a question to ask. Do you guys think there's a chance that Mike Riley uh, has some um, injuries that uh, – are nagging at him that are preventing him from playing his best football? Definitely. And if they weren't before the Bomber game, they were mm-hmm. after the Bomber game because right. he got destroyed in the Bomber game. Yeah. And actually, BC's tied with Edmonton now. Yes, they are. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. With, 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 the, with up, the game so, in hand. Yeah. So, no, I, I think Edmonton's the odd man out right now, the way they're playing. It is. Yep. Yeah. And definitely Riley's injured. He has to be because yeah. he doesn't even look like the same quarterback. No, not at all. There's no. I mean, there's nothing coming from him. Completion. 
he looked like a quarterback that's got nothing left, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, he I think looked like he was beaten down. I do he too. hurt his shoulder last week against Winnipeg. Yes. And it, I can't see it being 100% because he's missing receivers. He's not running like we're used to seeing him run. There's just He's just not the same player right now. And I got to think that he has got some kind of nagging injury that's not that's preventing him from playing at a top of the level. Yeah. I think that's obvious to me. Uh, Saskatchewan, they weren't great in this one at all. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they were mediocre. Again, no offensive touchdowns. That's been a thing that Saskatchewan has had problems with for many of this year. They had no rushing game in this game. Trey Mason with the leading running back, 10 carries for 20 yards. A sparkling two-yard average. Yeah, so again, it's the defense that's keeping, by far, the Rough Riders afloat. Um, They have a very inconsistent offense, have all year. It's the defense that's really keeping them in game there. And it was hell, it was the defense that got the winning point tonight with that uh, interception by Willie Jefferson. I was watching for somebody to come off screen and tackle him before he got into the end zone. Uh, I don't know if that was just to uh, run the clock out. I don't know if it was showboating. I don't know if it was a little bit of both. He got to stop doing that. That's just stupid to do. Uh, you're gonna, all you're going to do doing that is piss people off. And people will remember that. So I, if I, I'm, if I, I'm advising him, not that he listens to me, I'm not doing that crap because that's just going to piss people off. So, But he made a nice play to get the interception anyway, so good for him. But, again, not another sizzling, entertaining game. But, hey, Saskatchewan was able to pull it out of the fire, 19-12. to 12. So let's check out the scores for this game. Uh, again, not a, a sparkling one. 19-12 Saskatchewan over Edmonton. I had Saskatchewan winning 30-25, to 25, so I'm 24 points out. Mark, you picked Edmonton to win, 28-21, so you're out. Excuse me, that's Will, not Mark. I'm looking at the wrong name. Will picked them 28-21. Chris picked, also picked Edmonton to win 30-24, to so he loses. Uh, CJ, he had, the win, he had Edmonton winning 24-18, so he loses. So the winner in this one, for the second time this week, would be Mark who had Saskatchewan winning 24 to 20 who that's only 13 points difference so mark gets a pair this week will gets one and cj gets one and once again i am held off of the score sheet good for me but anyways um so that to wrap anything else left for these uh from the games for this weekend no, I don't think so. Nope. I would agree with that. So, All right, so after that, let's uh, continue along on the agenda. 
You know, the agent may just go, you're going to be a prick. I'm going to be a prick right back now. It's just dumb. You just don't do stuff like that. That's when you take the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea, or Kyle Walters, cone of silence. You don't say stuff like that. It's just you're calling out your starting quarterback, and he's going to be for at least one or two more games, if not the rest of the season. You're saying he's not very good. He's not taking the steps to make it to the next level. Then why is he your quarterback? It's just dumb. I, I don't get why he would say stuff like that. It's really it's about it. It's just it's a stupid thing to say. It's not helping the dressing room. They're in the middle of a playoff race, a big playoff race. You know, they're by no means out of it. As far as I'm concerned, they're favored to get the crossover over Edmonton. But not when you say stuff like that. That's just stupid. Go ahead. Will, what did you think of Ed Hervey's comments towards Jonathan Jennings? Well, and everybody's going to disagree with me, but I love that he called him out. And and the one thing that you will notice is nobody defended him except for his agent. Okay? If the players... If the players have his back, why weren't they saying something? Let alone, like, Travis Lule, for example. Okay, let's face it. Jonathan Jennings had two great seasons, and he has not progressed since then. So what is the problem? Is he, is he, I mean, we hear all the time about, you know, we've heard Johnny Manziel isn't isn't great uh, in meetings or at practices, and we also hear that Deron Carter was the same way. I think that has an effect on the team as well. And if a guy if a guy is there all the time trying to get better, then you can probably give him a bit of little bit of slack if he's not playing well. But it's not for lack of effort. And I'm just surprised that no no uh, Lions. Uh, Defended him, and the reason the reason uh, maybe he's not Ed Hervey's quarterback because Ed Hervey didn't sign the guy. Um, maybe Ed Hervey doesn't intend to have him as quarterback next year, putting all his his money into the basket for Mike Riley or whoever. And uh, <clears throat> if a guy's not doing what he's supposed to do, I have no problem with people calling him out. I don't care if it's in the media or or not in the media. And I'm thinking, if he put it out there in the media, I'm thinking he's already had the conversation with uh, with uh, Jonathan Jennings already, and it hasn't helped. So, I mean, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. It's not something we 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 get to hear or see. And, yeah, in most situations, it wouldn't be right to call the guy out in the media, but it's there, it's done, you move on. So it might cause some disruptions in in the locker room, or it uh, might make everybody play harder. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, personally, I'm, 
I'm way more motivated when I'm angry at somebody, to be honest with you. So, go ahead. All right, so I understand the criticism that Ed Herbie is lobbying towards Jonathan Jennings. I'm just trying to figure out what benefit it has to bring it out publicly. I mean, I suppose you could say he's trying to light a fire under him. Um, I would say after watching Saturday's game, uh, it didn't work. Because uh, Jonathan Jennings was not noticeably better um, following uh, that little uh, tirade. And with a team in the, heading into the final four weeks of the regular season, a team that's very much in the thick of things um, for uh, the playoffs, Heck, the BC Lions are not just playing for the crossover. They still have uh, a more than e- uh, certainly a good mathematical chance, at least, at even getting into third place and staying in the Western Division. They're basically uh, in a three-way race with Winnipeg and Edmonton right now. And for a team that's right in the middle of a playoff race, uh, to have this kind of dissension out public... I can't see it helping. If this was like the midway point of the season and there's still half a season left, sure, I could get that. But there isn't half a season left. There's four games, and they're important games. And this team needs to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They need to all be on the same page to try and get this, uh, you know, get some wins and get into the playoffs. They do not have an easy schedule down the down the road. They've got Calgary twice, Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan, and Edmonton at home. It's not like they're playing plumbers. They don't have the luxury of beating up on the East. It's all four are divisional games down the stretch. They've got to be firing at the top of their game. And having a GM come out and go public like this um, doesn't help. All it does is it puts pressure on Jennings, in turn puts pressure on the rest of the team. Now, here's the ace in the wild card. The talk is around the team that next week in Calgary, Travis Lule will be starting that game. There was a lot of talk of that after the game on Saturday that most people think that it's going to be Travis Lule starting in Calgary. That uh, he could have played this week. They decided to rest him one more week and that he could be back. And also the other talk is is that Solomon Aluminium could be back soon too, which would be another huge plus, adding him to a defense that has actually played quite well the last six weeks. So this is not a distraction that the team needs. This is something you would have never seen Wally Buono do, I don't think, as he was GM. So I understand the, I understand the, what he was trying to do, I'm just not sure he had the right timing to do it. Not right now when the team needs everyone playing at the top of the forum to try and get into the playoffs. So that's my thoughts. Uh, Will, Mark, any other thoughts on this? Um, Other than, like I'd said online the other day, this is no longer Wally's team. No. No. That's Wally evident. is the coach, and that's it. He may be okay. Ed Hardy's boss, yep. but no. He, I, 
at this point. And I think Wally's been told to just coach. You're not yep. doing anything else. This is not I your team. So. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people were skeptical of that when they hired um, uh, Ed Herbie in the off season, but Wally was still around as coach. A lot of people said, well, he's a GM, but he's still calling the shots. I think the evidence is there that that's not at all the case. Well, no, like you said, this well, Wally Bono team would not have done this. Never, never. No. So, yeah, this just, it's the final nail, and this is no longer Wally's team. He's just there. Mm -hmm. So, that's it. Yep. Will, anything more from you? Nope. I'm good. Nope. All right. Very good. So, we will move on to the next topic. If these buttons decide they want to work, there we go. Let's talk CFL. Buttons are not always my friends, as I've said many times before. Okay, so uh, another team that's uh, kind of in turmoil right now is the Edmonton Eskimos. Their offense of late has sputtered badly. Why do we think their production has dropped off from what it was earlier this season? I'm going to let uh, Will start on this one. Well, as you guys said earlier, I personally think in the last two weeks, uh, Mike Riley is hurt. Or he just seems to not have a lot of interest. And I don't know if he's if it's because he's getting beat up so much or if there's something going on. But I, I think... You know, if Edmonton keeps on the downward trend and they do not make the playoffs, I think you have to check and see a couple of things. Um, should Jason Moss keep his job next year? Should I, I think their defense is playing okay, but I, I think they need better D-backs. So is uh, Sunderland doing his job? And you know Edmonton is a pretty uh, pretty proud organization, and you don't have that many seasons where they lose. And I think uh, there might be some wholesale changes there next year. But uh, as far as what their problem is right now, they're just not playing good football. And the other thing you got to throw into that combination is the Grey Cup is in Edmonton this year. And you would think that somebody would have made some plans to put a much better team on that field. And I think Sunderland failed to do that. And, you know, I I still think when you have a head coach who's the offensive coordinator, I don't think that works either, unless you're in Calgary, to be honest with you, because it seems to have worked okay with – with uh, Dave Dickinson, but he does have Ryan Dinwiddie, who is not considered the offensive coordinator, but I know he helps a whole bunch, and he spends lots of time on the sidelines with the quarterbacks and the offense. So, um, I don't know, Edmonton, and I mean, I wish I could say I was unhappy for them, but they're going backwards, and it looks like, uh, you know, once again, you cannot count out a team 
that has Mike Riley as their quarterback because they're still in the playoff race and uh, they play some teams and you never know. But I uh, think Edmonton's in trouble and I think there's going to be heads rolling in the offseason. Just my thoughts. Go ahead. Mark? Since Edmonton beat Calgary 48 to, was at 42 in early September, they've scored 30 points. That's it. The offense isn't struggling. The offense is dead. When you're scoring 30 points in like four, three or four games total, there's, there's problems. And if it continues, I think you'll see Jason Moss will be gone. Um, he's really done nothing since the Great Cup win. They, they haven't improved the offensive line. They've just let it stagnate. That's a horrible offensive line. It wouldn't matter who's a quarterback with them. You can't, you can't throw the ball if there's three or four guys in front of you in two seconds. Their defensive backs have been an issue for three years now. This is all on Moss. He's not getting the guys in. His play calling is atrocious. He's got a great running back in C.J. Gable. Never uses him. When they do use him, he chews up the yards. Never uses him, though, or at least not consistently. And like we said, it's pretty obvious that Riley's injured. He looked completely flat, deflated, and disinterested today. He always has that look of, yeah, whatever. I'll just go out and do it. But he looked deflated today. It's like he's almost at the point of, well, they're not going to help me. What do you want me to do? You know, they're, they're not helping him with no offensive line. And they haven't gone out and addressed it at all. Uh, really, it comes down on Moss. And with Riley a free agent, it could be trouble. If BC does go and get Riley, there could be trouble in Edmonton. The fans are pissed. They all want Moss's head. Um, what's the GM's name there? Or whatever, Brock Sunderland? Uh, uh, Sunderland, Brock Sunderland. Yeah. He, he's done nothing since he came in. You know, I guess Rhonda was right about it when Hervey went to BC and Sunderland took over. She was pissed because of he he's done nothing. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's his job to go to Moss and say, okay, what do you need? I'll go and get them. It's Moss's job to say, okay, I need offensive line and defensive backs. It's pretty obvious. And none of it's been done. They're just trading water with the same guys. They keep hoping they get their guys back from the NFL. you got to move on sometime. You can't hope yeah. for guys to get cut. you got to move on. Of course you're hoping your best players are going to come back, but you got to have a plan B. And their plan B obviously isn't working. And they have had some big injuries, Terrell Walker being out. You know, Duke Williams is obviously injured. Mike Riley's obviously injured. But that's just in the last couple of weeks. This has been an ongoing thing for a couple of years now. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just they don't do anything. 
oh, we're going to be like Calgary. We'll promote from within. We'll just bring the guys in. Well, Calgary's the only team that can do that for some reason. Don't know why, but they're the only team that does that consistently. So you got to go out and get the guys, and they don't. They just hope for their guys to get cut from the NFL and come back. So really, that's about it. It comes down to Moss and Sunderland. And I think they'll give Sunderland the benefit of the doubt because he's only been there a couple of years. I think Moss is done. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think um, if they end up continuing to collapse and miss the playoffs, Jason Moss won't be back. They they can't sell that. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Jason Moss has lost this team, quite frankly, because this team doesn't look all that interested. Uh, you talked about Mike Riley. I don't think anyone looked all that interested in this game. I thought that they were really flat the entire game. Um, I know they had a slight lead for most of the game. I kept expecting it to um, to evaporate. Uh, earlier this season and last season, that Edmonton Eskimos team would have won that game without doubt. Um, I think that really the defense has been lousy all season. Uh, I think their offense bailed them out a lot, but if their offense isn't firing on all cylinders, this is a team that has problems beating people. And right now the offense is not getting anything done. Mike Riley is looking... Well, he's looking terrible. I gotta say it. Normally, we gotta say that. Oh, any team with Mike Riley uh, has a chance. Well, not these last two weeks, because Mike Riley has been very ordinary at best, and that might be generous to call him ordinary. He has not been good this past week, and their defense is not strong enough to go out and win games. It just isn't. It's not a very good defense. So, um. Yeah, I think the, this all falls back on Jason Moss. Uh, I've never been sold on him as a head coach, and I always think that he, I've always said that I do not believe he has the temperament to be a head coach in the CFL. Even now, he still uh, gets annoyed and he starts yelling all the time. Uh, I just don't see him as the guy that can really uh, coach a team to the next level. I think he's a classic example of a guy who is a good coordinator, give him the head job, and it just doesn't work. It just um, uh, does not do anything for him. He's not the guy to be running the show. And I'm also of the opinion that, yeah, I think that um, Mike Riley is banged up and has um, some sort of a nagging injury that's um, not that's preventing him from playing at the top level, top of his game, because he does not look like the Mike Riley we're all used to seeing. He looks, uh, I don't know, he looks slow. His passes are not what they were. Um, he seems, every time he gets knocked down, he seems to be slower and slower at getting up every time. He's ba- his body is banged up. And I remember we talked about this, is how long can he perform like this because eventually he's going to wear down. And I think we've come to that point where he is starting to wear down. And um, I really question whether or not um, 
they can really turn this around because they don't look, look like there's sign. There, there is no sign of life there right now, and uh, they've got to figure something out fast because um, it's uh, going downhill really, really quickly, and they've got to figure out a way to turn that around. All right, anything else on Edmonton here? Mark, Will? I think I'm good. Mark, anything from you? Or Will, anything from you? No, I'm good. You know, one of the other things I was thinking, maybe Mike Riley's not playing that great because maybe you talk about Jason Moss losing the team. Maybe Jason Moss has lost Mike Riley. I've thought I've wondered that too at times. And, and you know, the, the offense isn't working. And uh, Mike Riley's getting beat up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, nobody well, wants to go to work every day and get beat up. Yep. So, um, that could be it too. So. Yep. But they're definitely but no. uh, on a team. They can they can still turn it around this season. But I don't know. Well, the other thing is, too, is there's got to be, uh, like I think Mark alluded to this, there's got to be some uh, um, uh, blame put on to Brock Sunderland because this team left sure. Even coming out of training camp, most people knew that this team, these team did not have a good defense. And he has really done nothing to try and improve it over the last uh season. He hasn't really brought anybody in. We've seen other teams got, got, uh, being brought in. We saw the Lions bringing guy, uh, Sean Lemon and stuff like that. Guys like that that could help uh, the Eskimos. And he just hasn't done it. He's kind of gone with the guys that he's got. And they just don't seem to be capable of getting the job done. Well, and you know what? That's, that's the problem with hiring an inexperienced general manager. I mean, I think Calgary does so well because um, John Huffnagel has been around forever. He's coached in the NFL. He's coached in the USFL. He knows thousands of people. And there's a talent pool there when you have connections. And I don't think Brock Sunderland has had enough time to to uh, get his talent pool going. And It'll be interesting to see if he ever does. So, you know, you'd be amazed at how much back backroom stuff goes on in the CFL. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Brock Sutherland has the contacts to get new players in that are talented and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't know if players in the CFL, other than the ones that were in Ottawa, know him very well. Mm-hmm. And and that's also an important thing when you're trying to sign guys in free agency. You know what I mean? Yep. So who knows? Who knows, man? Go ahead. That's a good point. Mark, you got any more to add on this? No, I'm done. You done? Yep. All right. Well, then let's move on. Let's talk CFL. 
All right, next up, the Toronto Argonauts appear to be on the verge of going back to James Franklin as their starting quarterback. Is this not a move that should have been made a long before now? Mark, what do you think about that? That they waiting too long and going back to Franklin? You know, I could see why they held on going with uh, Bethel Thompson. He had been playing really well, or at least well, but they weren't winning. You went out and you made this trade for this guy. He was the big guy to bring in. Yeah, he was everybody's sexy favorite as the next one. And yeah, he stunk when he first started, but you needed a jump for the playoffs. They should have put him in a couple of games ago, really, if not last game. He should have been starting this week for sure. It's just, I, I can see why, guess why they stayed with Bethel Thompson, but they weren't winning. And they still had a chance at the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You have to go with your best chance to win. And the guy sitting on the bench is the guy you brought in and you said was going to be good. So basically you said you've made a mistake and you're not doing it. They haven't even tried to see if his confidence has come back. Because, yeah, no, he didn't play well at the start of the season when he did play. But it was also his first couple of games as a starter in the CFL. You know, definitely they should have, if not made him the starter, he should have been playing more than just the third down guy. I think they really kind of blew it. You know, I've been a Bethel Thompson fan and booster for him because he has been playing well. But when you're desperate for playoff wins, you got to change things up. And they didn't. So really, he should have been... He should have been playing, and I think he showed that today. He played quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, we both kind of agree, if he'd have played the whole game or played th- three quarters of the game, Toronto probably won that game. So, really, that's about it, though. Yeah, he should have. He should be playing. What? Uh, well, you went on this one, didn't you? Nope. Okay, well, um, what, what? what are your thoughts? You know what? Um, coming out of training camp, uh, Treston said these guys were even, and uh, he let, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? Help me here. McLeod Bethel Thompson? <laughs> no, the other guy, the other guy. The other. What's um, his name? James Franklin. <laughs> James Franklin. They gave James Franklin the starting job. He sucked in the first two or three games or the first games he started after, after uh, Ricky Ray got hurt, he sucked. He did nothing. You got Bethel Thomas in there who, you know, had success in the first two or three games. I think you should keep Bethel Thomas in there or, or do the one, two quarterback thing. If one guy's not hot, you put in the other guy and vice versa. Um, I, I don't think that has been the whole problem with Toronto this year. So, um, do you start Franklin next game? Yeah, I would start him in the first half, see how he does. I don't know who they're playing. Who are they playing next? You know, anybody? Uh, Toronto. 
Uh, next are playing. I just had it up here. Uh, let me just pull it up here. There we go. Um, next week, Toronto is playing. No, I don't need a pop-up. Uh, next week, they play Montreal. Next, uh, No, no, that's went one far week too far. Um, Hamilton, next Friday. At home. Ooh. Yeah, I'd say throw James Franklin in. What he can do. Yeah. You might be surprised. I mean, for all intents and purposes, are they completely eliminated now or not? Yes, they are. Okay, so I, I don't think you can even get a good read now on on Franklin or Bethel Thomas because um, they're not going to make the playoffs. Teams tend to slack, especially when it's an Eastern game. I mean, you can say other teams have motivation to get first place and second place, but how much motivation do they have? And does Franklin look like a world beater because the game means nothing? So those qualifying games, they're over for the year for Toronto. And if Ricky Ray comes back, he'll be the starter there next year anyways. So I don't know, man. James Franklin, you got to be disappointed in him this year because Remember, we've talked for two years. He's going to be the next one. Who's going to trade for him? It'll be an instant. He'll be an instant success. Obviously, he hasn't been an instant success yet. So, and I and I do like Bethel Thomas. I really do. I think he's a pretty decent quarterback. So, anyways, go ahead. Well, McLeod Bethel Thompson has put up decent numbers. The problem is the Argos need more than decent numbers. They need wins. And that's something he hasn't been putting up. And that's a problem because there's no room at this point of the year for moral victories. They need wins. They needed wins to stay in the playoff hunt. and They just simply weren't getting them. And it's not that McLeod Bethel Thomas or Thompson, God, I always get his name mixed up, um, was playing horribly, but he wasn't playing well enough to get them wins. He wasn't putting up enough points. So this is where it gets um, to that point where they needed to have some wins. And I think they probably should have started Franklin against the Lions, to be honest, because... He was not getting the job done up to now. You could tell he wasn't getting the job done. So, uh, like we said, Franklin, this was the big free agent acquisition for um, Toronto. This was supposed to be the guy that was going to be the heir apparent to Ricky Ray. And they gave him three starts, and then that was it. They went to McLeod Bethel Thompson and because, um, but the thing is, they basically pulled Franklin because he wasn't winning. But when McLeod Bethel Thompson started not winning, they kept going with him. So they should have at least been going back to him because, quite frankly, that team needed some sort of change. That team needed some sort of shakeup because they were just spinning their tires and not moving forward. And they weren't getting it with McLeod Bethel Thompson. And... Basically, what it is is they needed to um, a change. I mean, they're going to make it now. It looked like, but at this point, 
uh, it's too little too late because they're not going to make the playoffs. So right now they're looking towards next season. And um, then we'll have to see how it goes from there. So um, we will see how the... Um, how it breaks for the Argos, but um, right now uh, they're playing for next season, so they've really got to uh, figure out uh, what the best way is to move forward and actually get some wins for next season. So, um, yeah, so I think uh, at this point, too, being out of the playoffs, you've got nothing to lose at this point. So going back to um, uh, James Franklin, well, even if he loses, well, you're not really losing anything because your season's basically, you're just playing out the string at this point anyway. So may as well see if you still have something there because if you figure that he's not your guy going forward, you've got to make that decision going into the off season. And if he's not the guy, you've got to figure out what you're going to do for a quarterback next season whether you feel confident in McLeod Bethel Thomas Thompson or not. So that's where the Argos have to go from there. Um, hold on a second. We've lost Will. Got to get him back. All right. Uh, Mark, you got any more to say on this? No, not really. It's It's pretty obvious. You have to at least see what you have. You know what you have in Bethel Thompson now. So mm-hmm. now you got to see if you do have something and go from there. Otherwise, admit you made the mistake. You know, you know they were the ones that thought he was the next, he was going to be Ricky Ray's, you know, um, backup and take over for him. And he played, what, two and a half? Did he play three games? Not even sure if he played three full games. I think uh, Bethel Thompson uh, came in in relief in one of those games. Yeah. So really, you know, you got to see if there is anything in him. Yep. So. And I don't think you can make a fair assessment in less than three games on somebody. That's not. That's not giving them enough time. No, definitely not. No. Will, are you back with us now? I think so. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Yep. Okay. Very good. I'm back. Mm-hmm. I'm back. All right. Anybody else with thoughts on the quarterbacks of the Argos here? No, yeah, that's it. No, I'm good. Yeah, I think we've kind of beat this one to death. So we will move on to the next segment here. Let's talk CFL. But we're going to stay in Toronto right now because the trade deadline in the CFL is approaching. It's actually this Wednesday. So we might see some uh, moves in the next couple of days, or at least it's certainly possible because the trade deadline is approaching. And apparently SJ Green has been getting uh, interest from some of the teams that are still jockeying for position uh, um, for the playoffs here. And now with the Argos out of the playoffs, do you think we're going to see um, uh, S.J. Green traded before the end of the season, before the deadline this Wednesday? And if so, where's a good fit for him to show up? Mark, what do you think? 
Well, there are rumblings that there are two teams in heavy trade talks of Toronto. One is Hamilton, one's Winnipeg. Um, he would be a great fit in Winnipeg. You know, the one thing the Bombers are lacking on offense is a standout star receiver. We don't have anybody that can win a game with a catch. And S.J. Green fits that bill rather nicely. Now we'll see after that hit he took if he's concussed or not. Um, if that in troubles with that going forward, he was on the sidelines after the game. But now I think really you look at the teams that are going into the playoffs. Saskatchewan's not going to want them. Um, with all the players they've had in and everything else, I don't know where they are at the salary cap either. Winnipeg does have money. So, and, and from the article, it's only a $35,000 hit anyway on the cap, so it's not a big hit by any means. Uh, Hamilton could probably use him because he's a big guy and they've got all midgets. Um, Winnipeg is a better fit, though, because he is a slot back. And we've got a rookie starting at slot back realistically with that Tompkins kid. So he'd be great to slide in here. BC wouldn't want him. Edmonton, I think, is missing the playoffs. Um, really, it's Winnipeg and Hamilton. Calgary's not going to take him. They've got their guys they're coming ba- back. They're banged up. Yeah, but they got guys coming back now. And they got Chris Matthews on the practice roster. So, yeah, they are banged up, but I just, you know, and does Calgary go out and get guys at the end of the season like that? Very rarely. Yeah. Nope. Never. <laughs> so, really, I think it's between Winnipeg and Hamilton. And it's just going to be who he thinks, really, at this point, but the year. If he, if Pop does want to get rid of him or let him go. It's who he thinks he's got the best chance of winning a cup with. He may want to stay in the East because he's been in the East for a long time now. So uh, I can't see Ottawa wanting him either. So really, it would be Winnipeg or Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg has the most desperate need for a, a big time mm-hmm. receiver. I Is still he a think free have, agent. Uh, no, he's got one more year. He's got a year. Yeah, one more year. And they're saying that could be a stumbling block. It's not fitting this year's salary because it's only 35k. Yeah. It's next year's, which was what did it say, Charles? 190 or 200? Something like that. Yeah. And I'm guessing any team that would want to bring him in uh, at this point of the season, it's simply wanting to bring him in as a rental player. Yeah, and it is the CFL, so you can cut him. Like his, yeah, his contract doesn't mean jack. Yeah. Yeah, for next year. So But I'm thinking would would Toronto trade him to Hamilton and then Hamilton keeps him next year and they keep, he can come back and haunt them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I don't see him getting traded to the East. It's a matter you know, of and if he got traded to Winnipeg go. if he got traded to Winnipeg, I'm sure he could commute for the last game of the season. He wouldn't have to move, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah. I would certainly like to see him here because it would help going into the playoffs. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's, what, 34, I think? But he still has some of the best hands in the league. 
It's just amazing the catches he makes. Go ahead. Well, well, I'd love to see Calgary sign him, but that's not going to happen. Because, I mean, Mark, you say they're getting some guys back. Their two big guys aren't coming back. I don't know if Kamar Jordan is ever coming back, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, Devarius Daniels, I don't think he'll be back this season either. So collarbone usually takes six weeks. It's been two. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But And they also signed Chris Matthews, who... I think Chris Matthews will be in the starting lineup this weekend for sure because none of the guys that that played today did very well. Not that it was their fault, but since uh, Bo decided to throw to the other team instead. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if these trades ever work going into the playoffs, but he'd be – He'd be great for Winnipeg. Because Winnipeg, in my opinion, and you might differ with me, Mark, I still don't think they have a number one receiver. Not at all. Not at all. They've got the worst receiving core in the the playoff team. Yep. Yep. So, hard to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wondered if... um, um, Calgary with the uh, injuries might be one got one team that might be interested, but uh, you're right. With Chris Matthews now on the practice roster and the likelihood that they're going to get some of their guys back, I guess that's probably not going to happen. Uh, I think BC's probably fine at receiver right now. With uh, you know they got Brian Burnham, they brought in um, Devere Posey, they brought in who's the other guy they brought in just recently. They brought in somebody else just recently. The name's escaping me at the moment, and uh, they've um, Corey, um, Corey um, Watson and Ricky Collins have played uh, pretty well this year. So I can't see BC taking them. I don't think Saskatchewan needs them. So yeah, Winnipeg and Hamilton. Uh, I don't think Ottawa needs them, and well, Montreal doesn't need a rental player because they're not going to be they're they're going to be watching the playoffs on TV. So yeah, so. I guess you're right. If he does move, it'll be down to uh, Winnipeg and Hamilton. Do you think you're going to see many moves at the? Do we think we see many moves at all at the trading deadline, or do you think it'll just be quiet and and go by? I think you'll see one or two. I was looking Probably. at the list for receivers for both Toronto and Montreal because they're the two teams out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and really out of all, all of them, the only other one I'd be interested to see in Winnipeg might be Ernest Jackson. He yeah, sure hasn't there. done much. He hasn't done much in Montreal, but who has? Well, <laughs> to be fair, he hasn't had the top caliber, top caliber quarterback throwing to him. Yeah, Sorry, you know, Johnny like, Football. So, really, it's Ernest Jackson's the only other name that I saw that I would be interested in seeing come that might make a difference. S.J. Green, I think, would make a difference. Ernest Jackson might, but really the rest of them. It's a, well, and it's, you know, Montreal might blow up their team again, but Toronto won't. No. That's not how they operate. No. So. Especially guys like Pop and Trestman. They're not guys that panic. And the only other guy that everybody. I 
would kind of sort of maybe want to see here would be Deron Carter, but he's not leaving Montreal. Toronto. So, or Toronto, Toronto Yeah, he's not leaving Toronto. No, we, they just signed him, so mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, none at all. I don't see any of the moves made really between playoff teams. No. Yeah, you know, that would make no sense whatsoever. It's yeah, just small anything, league to do that. Be, yeah, it's going to just be moves being made by teams trying to um, trying to um, you know strengthen up for the uh, for the stretch drive. Yeah, that's all you're going to get. And I guess it depends on if Toronto and Montreal how close they are to the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal has been having cap trouble, so yep. they might look at moving one or two guys. But I don't see a lot of moves being made. I don't either. Yeah. Really, Cavis uh, Reed team is in cap trouble. Well, who would have thunk it? <laughs> Never. Yeah, right. Hmm. All right, so let's move on now. Let's talk CFL. In the Ottawa-Winnipeg game on, what day was that, Friday? It seems like forever ago. There was a significant record that was broken, and it was broken by Red Black's rookie kicker, Lewis Ward. He set a new CFL record for most consecutive field goals Without a miss, uh, the record that was previously held by, I believe, Rene Paredes from Calgary, and he hit his 40th straight field goal without a miss. Very impressive uh, record there, and even more impressive when you consider uh, it was done by a rookie. So what are you guys' thoughts about this record set by Lewis Black? Um, I'll go to Mark first. Oh, I think it's great. You know, he's, what, five foot five. I think he's a buck 60 or something like that. So he's just a tiny little guy, but with a huge leg. Um, I always thought that Paradis's record should have had an asterisk beside it, not because he had the field goal blocked, but because I don't know if he – even tried any over 42 or 43 yards. Mm-hmm. Where is they're trotting this kid out, and he's hitting 45 yarders, he's hitting 48 yarders, he's hitting 30 yarders, he's hitting everything. And to come from being a security guard for the Redbacks last year, yep, it's just a great story. And in the article, it actually says you could make an argument for him to be the MOP. For Ottawa. I'm not sure what that means for what, Ottawa. <laughs> for Ottawa, yes, he's not going to be the MOP for the league. But not for the league. But honestly, for if you think, in, even for Ottawa, well, I was going to say, can you name someone else in the East that you would name as the MOP for the Eastern Division? I guess you would probably say um, Jeremiah Mazzoli, you would think, would be the, the odds-on favorite for that. But... Yeah. There aren't many other players in the East that you would probably put ahead of Lewis Black. Nope. Not nope. at all. Nope. And for Ottawa, 
I think there's a good I mean, who else are you going to give it to? You're not going to give it to Trevor Harris. He's too inconsistent. Maybe a guy like Brad Sinopoli, maybe. Or um, what's the other guy there? The other big receiver, the other big-time receiver they got. Ellington. Uh, his name's escaping. Greg Ellington, maybe. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, he's, they've really got no one else that's, you know, and it's not like the really into discussion. No, you know, he's, he's kicking he's, it outdoors. And everywhere he plays in the East, it's outdoors. Yep. There's wind, there's the elements. 40 straight, is it's really quite something. It is. Yeah. I don't, and with the confidence he has, God only knows when he's going to miss one. <laughs> like he's just, it's not like he's barely getting them in. He's, they're right through the middle. Mm-hmm. This kid's got one hell of a leg. You, you just know he's not going to the NFL, though, even with that record, because he's just too tiny. Yep. They even like their kickers big down there. <laughs> yep. Will, what are your thoughts on this? So he beat the uh, he beat your kicker's record. Do you really want to know my thoughts? Yes, I really do. Okay, he's a kicker. I don't care. Okay, he's not a he's not a real football player. Yeah, it's impressive that he hit forty field goals in a row. Okay, I'll give him that. Um, you know, maybe your team is not very good in the red zone if he's kicking forty field goals in a row. So, I mean, I don't care. He's a kicker. Um, it is a it is like Mark said. It is an impressive story. He was more or less a walk on this year in Ottawa. And every time they gave him a task, he completed it really efficiently, and that's why they kept him around. And he was a and he was a security guard last year. Great on him, um, you know. But he's a kicker, man. Sorry, that's it. Mm-hmm. If anyone out there is wondering, yes, I put this segment in because I knew what Rill's response were, and I wanted to ring the bell. Um, all right, so yeah, um, that's uh, it's impressive. No matter what, yeah, I know people will say, yeah, football players are just, uh, just, are just kickers so aren't you know, really football players. Just yeah. so you know, I wasn't impressed with Rennie Paradez either. So I had the same response, and he's a Calgary. No! I, I just, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Fair enough. And, yeah, and I know the people, there's a stigma out there, kickers aren't real football players and so on like that. I understand that. But uh, I still think 40 uh, straight field goals without a miss, I still think that's pretty impressive. Uh, yes, they're kickers and stuff like that, but you got to think of everything, all the different things that can go wrong on a field goal, and a lot of it has nothing to do with the kicker. you got to have the good hold. Uh, you've got to have the white wind conditions. You've got to hit it perfectly. And to do it perfectly 40 times in a row, I still think that's somewhat of an accomplishment. But I, I understand your thing saying he's not a real football player because he's a kicker and so on, because I've heard other people say that. I once heard the joke, um, how do you get a football kicker off of your porch, front porch? You pay for the pizza. But anyways. I tend to um, wonder, I tend to wonder if, 
if the CFL ever sells a kicker's jersey, okay? Maybe maybe if you're a university kicker or something, you buy a jersey with a kicker on it, but I really have my doubts. Do you know what? So we at least we have in the past at least because I still to this day, in fact I I saw one on Saturday see uh Louis Pasaglia jerseys. Yeah, but those are just people who are fans of people with big noses, that's all. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um I think we should move on. <laughs> Uh, this is our last segment. Oh, good. We should keep talking about this. No, we shouldn't. Um, that just came out of left field. You didn't expect that at all, did you, Charles? I really did not. No. No. Mm. I got a but million of them in so. my bag, Charles. Trust me. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> so just quickly, we're just winding down. we got less than eight minutes left. So just looking at kind of the playoff picture as it stands right now, uh, Ottawa and Hamilton are clinched for the Eastern Division. Now they're just going back and forth uh, to see which team is going to finish first. I believe currently Ottawa is first, I believe. I'm just looking this up here now. Ottawa still first uh, in the East. They're two points up on Hamilton. I believe they have at least one head-to-head still. So that one could be important. They played the same number of games. Toronto and Montreal are out. So if we're looking at the West right now, Calgary is still first at 12-2 and two with 24 points. Saskatchewan four points back. And Calgary also had a game in hand on Saskatchewan. So that means um, Calgary's got one more, or Saskatchewan's got one more bye coming up. Winnipeg is 8-7 and seven with uh, 16 points. Uh, they're in third. BC is in fourth at seven and seven. Edmonton's also at seven and seven, but they're fifth because BC has a game in hand on them as well. So that's where we're at with the playoff scenarios. Who do you guys think are going to end up ultimately coming first in the East? Is it going to be Ottawa or Hamilton? We'll go I around think and talk about that. You think so? I kind of do yeah. too. I kind of see Ottawa faltering down the stretch a little bit. What do you think, Will? Um, you know what? I, I think, well, Hamilton, Ottawa, I mean, I'd have to see who they play. Do they play each other head-to-head at all for the rest of the year? Um, uh, well, let, let's see here. Uh, next week, Hamilton's got Toronto. Ottawa's got Edmonton. And then, yeah, on uh, week 19, Hamilton plays Ottawa in Ottawa. And, oh, yeah, they've got a home-and-home coming up. The final two are, yeah, they've got uh, week uh, 19 and 20, they got a home-and-home. So that one right there is ultimately likely to decide first place. And then in the final week, Ottawa's got Toronto and Hamilton's got Montreal. They both got gimmies in the final week. So the the important week's going to be the heads to he- head to heads. Yeah, so October 19th they're playing in Hamilton, then a week later on October 26th or October 27th, so 8 days later, they're in Hamilton. 
Yeah, you know, the other thing is, the other thing is, Ottawa is such a crapshoot because you don't know with Ottawa, you don't know which Trevor Harris is going to show up in yep. any game. And so they could blow Hamilton's lights out or they could be just god-awful, okay? Um, so it's a it's a toss-up. I mean, uh, I'd like to say that the team that crosses over from the West is going to have a chance to beat Ottawa or Hamilton. But has it ever happened or not? It's never happened, I don't think, where there's been Which, two West not, teams in a great cup. Yeah, the crossover team has never made the great cup. Probably the closest was last season when Saskatchewan got to the Eastern Final against Toronto and actually had a lead with about three minutes left in the game, and then uh, Toronto was able to win uh, win at the end. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's the closest, but it's never happened. But the law of averages say it's probably going to happen at some point. And this might be as good a year as any. Because I really don't see any of the Eastern teams as being all that strong. Even Ottawa or Hamilton, to be honest. Well, you think about it. Which way would you rather go? Through Saskatchewan and Calgary? Or Hamilton and Ottawa? Oh, there's no question. You You want to go through the East. You know, you're not worried about playing Hamilton's. You're not worried about playing Hamilton's crowd or Ottawa's crowd. You're worried about playing Saskatchewan's crowd. Never mind the team. Yeah, that's uh, not an easy, uh, not an easy road to go going into Hamilton. That's true. Yep. Excuse me, going into Saskatchewan is what I meant. Yep. So how do we think the West is gonna gonna fan out? If I'm looking at the standings here I honestly think the standings that we see right now are going to be the standings at the end of the year. I think that's what that's where we're gonna end up. Yeah. I think we got Calgary first, Saskatchewan second. Winnipeg in third, BC will be the crossover, and Edmonton will finish last. I just don't. I don't see Edmonton bouncing back. I just think they're. I think they're drawing dead right now. No disagreement here. Yep. What do you think, Will? Well, I still wouldn't count Edmonton out. They still got four games to go, right? And. BC no, they've has... got three games to go. They've got one more. They've got a bye week. Oh, okay. They haven't updated this schedule then, I guess. Yeah, they have not. Okay. Yeah, because okay. right now they've got uh, Edmonton at 15 games, BC. On CFL.ca, they, they've got Edmonton at 15 games, BC at 14. Okay. So Edmonton's got and one bye week still. And they're tied for last place, are they? Yes. Okay. You know, and but you know the thing you got to look at with BC, and I, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but BC's got to play Calgary twice. That's the problem, and okay. I'd like to go into that more, but I just noticed we've got 50 seconds left until the show oh, okay. is over, so we got to quickly say Wednesday. goodnight because we're running out. Wednesday, we can talk about this a little bit more. Okay, so 
This has been the uh, Thanksgiving edition of uh, Let's Talk CFL. I've been uh, your host, Charles Cliff, filling in for CJ. Uh, We're going to be back on Wednesday night, but we've got very little time left, so I'm going to go around quickly and have uh, Mark and Will both say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. Will? Goodnight, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. All right, good night, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, We will talk to you Wednesday night, and we'll preview the upcoming.